At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Assembly Required, Building a Case for Church, where we'll see what the Psalms teach us about a life of faith lived in community. Well, this week we're closing out our series called Assembly Required. We started this four weeks ago, and what we've been looking at is the importance of gathering together as the saints of God, the importance of gathering together as God's church. And why do we do that? And what things are vitally important to be involved in those worship services as we come together? We come together to worship and praise God. And some of the things we've looked at is that we gather together to delight in God's word. And my prayer as you have gotten up each morning and read God's word and before you went to bed each night as you've read God's word, that he's grown a delight in you for his word. That when you think of God's word, you think of a living water and you think the bread of life. We also learned that we, we gather together to confess. We gather together to be cleansed and healed and find joy in that. Last week, my brother Chris Shea came as uh, Stacy and I got the opportunity to go away for her 30th birthday uh, and celebrate her, which was incredible. He came and he shared about how we gather together to sing. And I, for one, am very happy and blessed by the Lord that we have such an incredible worship team, aren't you? Uh, praise God for them. Uh, so as we look today, we're going to be closing out this series, but we're going to be entering into a new series that, that piggybacks on top of this series, and we're still going to be in the Psalms. And what we're looking at today is we're going to see in Psalm chapter 40 that we gather together to testify to God's deliverance. We gather together in the church facility as a church, as a gathering of saints, to testify to God's deliverance. Testify. We give witness. We say, God has delivered me and let me tell you about it. So will you please open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 40 as we once again see in David's life a proclamation of God's deliverance. Psalm chapter 40, if you don't have a copy of God's word, pull out your cell phone, pull out whatever device that you have. We want you to be able to look at the text with us. We at Woodside value the word of God. And so when you come here each week, bring your Bibles. We're going to use it and we're going to dive into it. We need to learn how to use our Bibles so that when we go throughout our week, we can utilize what we're learning on Sunday morning and so that we can implement it throughout our week. So Psalm chapter 40. What we're going to be seeing here is we gather together to testify to God's deliverance. You know, if you're somebody who grew up in church and your parents made you go every single week, that was just something that you did. It's just something that, that was part of your life. And maybe some of you are here today because that was something that your parents put in you as you were growing up and you come to church because that's just what you do. Uh, but if you're somebody who got saved later on in life, maybe, maybe you, you never knew why we gather together to church. Maybe, maybe you're somebody who's a new believer and you've given your life together recently and you know, wow, I need to go to church. I need to gather with the saints. Well, today we're going to look at a psalm from David and we're going to see that we gather together to testify to God's deliverance. You know, this is something that we could not do as we were apart from one another in our homes watching worship service online. 
We can still worship God in that facility. We can still listen to his word and be put under his word and obey his word. But it's very difficult to gather and testify to God's deliverance when you are not with one another, when you are quarantined with just yourself in your home. And so that's one of the reasons why it's so vitally important for us to gather. And as we look at Psalm chapter 40, we're going to see three things and three ways that we testify to God. So let's begin Psalm chapter 40. It says at the top to the choir master, a Psalm of David. Now this is King David that is talking about one of the greatest Kings of all of Israel, a man after God's own heart. If you want to know more about David, go and listen. Uh, two weeks ago, I talk a little bit more as we looked at Psalm chapter 51. So Psalm 40 verse one. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Psalm 41 through 3, the first thing that we see there is we testify that God is our rock. Amen. We testify, we proclaim that God is our rock. Now, all of us here today have had times in our lives where we've been waiting for the Lord, haven't we? Maybe some of us here today are waiting for the Lord in your life right now. It's interesting, the language of this text, because what David's saying, the emphatic to what he's saying is when he says, I waited patiently for the Lord if we really read that, it would say, I waited and waited and waited and waited and waited for the Lord. But it's amazing here because even in those times where we remember and we're waiting on God, we're waiting on God to give a healing. We're waiting on God to, to move in a certain way and provide a, a job. We're waiting on God to take chronic illness out of our body. We're waiting on God for whatever it is for, for our child who is astray to come to him that we pray for each and every day as we waiting on the Lord. I want to encourage you with something. Look at what David says, the next verse. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. In those times of waiting, one of the most important things to remember is we serve and worship a God who hears. Now, he may not answer in the way that we're requesting, but we do worship and serve a God who hears. And it's so important to remember that as we look and we wait in the times in our lives. David says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me. He heard my cry. Verse two, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. David is waiting and waiting for the Lord in a time in his life. Now, we're not exactly sure, and David doesn't detail what exactly this time is when he's waiting for the Lord in this miry bog. It's actually good for us that David doesn't detail what exactly he's going through, what pit, what miry bog he's in, because then it allows us to apply it to a plethora of different areas in our lives instead of it just being one specific area. And there's many different bogs that we can encounter within our lives. The first pit that you can think of is the pit of sin. 
the pit of disobeying God or, or, or in being in rebellion to God. And maybe today you're caught in a pit of sin. You're in a sin that continually plagues you and, and you just continue no matter what you do to pile sin on top of sin on top of sin on top of sin and it's a downward spiral and you feel like you cannot get out of it. Well, the Bible talks about the nature of sin being this way. The nature of sin is one of a downward spiral that continues to lead us deeper and deeper. As we look at Romans chapter 1, we see this exchange where, where sin downward spirals until uh, the, the, the creator is not being worshipped, but the creature is being worshipped. And sin really is about our, our pride and thinking that we're a better God than God is. And so as we're in this downward spiral of sin, we can to Today, confess that before God, repent before God, turn away from that and turn to God and say, I'm not God, you're God. Lord Jesus, deliver me from this body of sin. That's the pit of sin. Now there's the pit of defeat for many of us where we feel as if things are never going to change and we get depressed and anxiety fills our life. We feel like no matter what we do, we can't get ahead. And that we really feel that God isn't listening to us. You've had chronic pain in your body for many years and you don't feel that God is listening to you. Yet we have to remember that God grows us in the hardest times in our lives. Many of you can testify to that. That God grows us in the hardest times in our lives. The image that continually comes to my mind is when coal is turned into a diamond. Coal is turned into a diamond because of intense pressure. It's, it's turned from this, uh, an element that is worth nothing to an element that is great value because of the pressure that is in his life. And so you may feel as if you can't get out of this pit of defeat. Yet we have to look at truth in those times and realize that if you're a child of God, you serve a God who loves you deeply and is for your good. And whatever is happening in your life, whether it's deliverance or whether it's sorrow and pain, God is working in you to make you more like Jesus. Jesus himself experienced insane amounts of suffering throughout his life. Then there's the pit of sinful, destructive habits. There's the pit of alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual addiction, pornography, chronic lying, stealing, or these could be our attitudes, attitudes of uncontrolled, unbridled anger, laziness, gluttony, overconsuming in food or other things in life, overconsuming things more than God. We get in these pits in our lives and the way you have to picture it is like quicksand. Now, if you know anything about quicksand, when you step in quicksand, you can't get out on your own. No matter how much you flare or how much you try, just the faster uh, you sink into the sand. That's why it's called quicksand. And what's happening here is that David is realizing that no human effort is going to bring him out of this pit. He realizes that it's only God who can deliver him. Maybe those are you here today who are going through trials, tribulations, and struggles Maybe you're suffering from cancer or chronic illness, or you're, maybe you're tasked with taking care of a mother or a father who is slowly slipping in out of reality because of, uh, because of dementia or, 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 or Alzheimer's. Maybe that's a struggle and a hardship in your life. Maybe you're experiencing the loss of a job. Maybe you're experiencing depression from being alone. Maybe you're in these places today. 
What we see from this text is that we have a God who hears and a God who is able to deliver. Now, it's important to remember that he is able to deliver. Because if he is able to deliver, then if it's for our good, for our best, for his glory, he will deliver us. But we would know that if we are not delivered from this situation, that it is best for us, it is for our good, and it's most ultimately for his glory, and it changes the way we view our situations. The situation may not change, but our perspective does change. So as we look at this, we have to remember we have a God who can deliver. And this is David's testimony. We see four things here that David has. He says, I turn, God turned to him and noticed his plight. God hears his cry. God lifts him out of the pit. And God sets his feet on a rock and gives him a firm place to stand. Now I want you to see a few things here. First, I want you to see where the writer says God set his foot upon a rock. Now, there's similar imagery that's used throughout the Psalms. Uh, in Psalm chapter 18, verse 2, it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, a stronghold. Psalm 62, 2 says, God alone is my rock. Psalm 92, 15 says, The Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. This is the testimony of the believer in Christ. Those who truly know God knows that God is our rock. He is the firm place to stand. And it's interesting here uh, because what we see is we see God deliver David from this miry bog, but he doesn't just pull him out and then set him back down in another bog. He takes him out and he places him on a firm foundation. Now, as we see in this text, this foundation is God himself. This could be an actual change of situation. Maybe you're somebody who was in sin in your life and you have this story where you were, where you were partying and you were in that lifestyle and, and God came in, he rescued you out of that miry bog and he puts you in a new foundation, which is Christ himself. Now, you may have had more money before you got saved. You may have had more health and wealth before you got saved. You may have had all those things, but your position has now been saved that you have a new rock and a firm foundation. Your life is different and better because you are in Christ, whether or not the things of this world increase, your faith is firm on Jesus Christ and you have a new way of life. You see, God doesn't just deliver us. He delivers us and gives us a new life. That's a beautiful thing to testify today. How many of you can testify that God has given you a new life? Amen? Come on, we gather to testify. How many of you can testify that God has given you a new life? Here's the beauty of that. Do you see that right there? Here's the beauty of that. If there's an unbeliever here today who doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the people who are sitting here today can say that I put my head on a pillow at nighttime and I felt like there was no purpose to my life. I didn't want to go forward. I was stuck in this bog, and, but I know there was one thing that delivered me and one thing that rescued me. It was God my rock. I have a new foundation and I'm here to testify today that there's a new life. So if you hear that from the people around you, Surrender your life to Jesus today. He is the rock. He is the one who you can place your firm foundation on. 
And God changes David. David's delivered from this miry bog. And then verse 3 says, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. You see, God delivers us. And when we come to that realization of deliverance, it makes us praise him. When we come to that realization that God has delivered us, it should cause us to proclaim his praise wherever we go. That we would know that first and foremost, we are people of God who've been delivered from sin and death and hell, which we could never deliver ourselves from. And it was only God, our rock, who could do that. Therefore, we have a new song in our mouth. A song that sings, you are worthy, you are worthy of your name. A song that proclaims that, Lord, I need you. And a song that proclaims there's nothing that our God cannot do. That is who we serve and that is who rescues us. It reminds me of the words of the old hymn. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Anything that you would put your faith in and trust in to deliver you or to change your circumstances or to give you a good life is sinking sand compared to Christ the solid rock. Christ is the only firm foundation. There is no other. God is our rock and we gather to testify to God's deliverance. And in doing that, it deepens our joy. It fulfills me and gives me great joy to hear so many of you say, God has given me a new life. It deepens my joy to spend time with brothers and sisters who say, you know, Andrew, I've had cancer for many years in my body, but I know that God is working all things for my good. And if God chooses to deliver me, then I praise him. But if God chooses not to deliver me, then I praise him because I know that he is working in me. Have you ever met a person like that? The person who's in struggling and sorrow and pain. The person who is praying for their son or daughter who is far away from the faith, but yet they still trust in God with their child. And you see this faith in them and they still have a joy that you go, why do you have a joy? Why do you have a peace? peace. It's because of Christ. The, the word of God talks about a peace that passes all understanding. The reason why it's a peace that passes all understanding is because people don't understand it, right? It's peace that passes all understanding. And so we see people and God gets great glory because of that. And quite frankly, if you take nothing else from this sermon, know this. That every person who's ever been born, their purpose is to glorify and worship God. That is why we are created, is to glorify and worship God. Glorify means making his name big, magnifying him, making his name famous, proclaiming who he is. That's what our lives are first and foremost about. And we have to filter everything through that. All of our decisions, all of our, uh, the way we spend our time, our, our talent and our treasures, all of these things. What is going to bring God the most glory in my life? 
knowing that no matter what comes our way, if we're submitted to God, we are following after Christ, we are seeking his face with everything that we are, to know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Now listen to this last part, though. To those who are called by God according to his purposes. So important to remember that in that text because so many people will utilize that text and say, God's going to work everything out the way I want it. It's, it's for my good, so I know good is everything for me that I want. But it's not. It's for those who are called, called out ones, the church, the called out ones, according to his purpose, which his purpose is to get great glory, and he deserves it because he is worthy of all praise. So as we look at this, remembering and testifying that God is our rock. Psalm 40, 4 through 5, we now see that we testify that God multiplies his favor. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go after a lie. Verse 5, you have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds, your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them. Yet they're more than can be told. David starts out here by saying, who is the blessed man? The blessed man or woman is the one who makes the Lord his trust. Now listen to how that's actually written. He makes the Lord his trust. This is more than trusting in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord is a huge piece of it. But he makes, this is us doing it, he makes the Lord his trust, his confidence, everything. He bases his life or her life upon the Lord. That's what this is saying, and that person is blessed. They don't base a lie. They don't turn to proud people or those who go astray after a lie. And anything in this world that tells you it will satisfy you is lying to you because it is only Christ who will satisfy you. It is only making him our trust. And so what we see here is that David is realizing who the blessed man is. And then we see a change happen here. He's talking before this about God, and now he's going to talk to God. Look at verse 5. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Let's just take just a minute and ponder the works of God. Let's just ponder the marvelous deeds of our God. There's there's so many things that come to mind. There's so many things that we can think of or speak about. You know, I think about the, the beauty of a sunrise or the painting of a sunset. I think about that Caribbean blue of the ocean. That's my all-time favorite color is Caribbean blue of the ocean. I think of the vast sea of stars. I think of the countless sounds. Uh, And finally, think about the human body and the intricacies of that or the delicate balance of the the atmosphere that we're in. Not to mention the ever-expansive universe. Not to mention this is just creation. Then we look at the times where God is faithful even in our doubting. We look at the times when God is faithful even when we were faithless. We look at the times where we remember that God has been there for us no matter what, and he will always be there with us. 
Or we can think about the character of God, how he is fully holy and righteous, but he is also merciful and gracious. God is is unimaginable and incomparable, and his deeds are vast and innumerable. That is the God that we serve. And that's not even to mention the greatest blessing that's ever been offered. The sacrifice of his one and only son, whom he deeply loves, Jesus Christ. So that all those who surrender their lives, all those who believe in Jesus, all those who who confess their sins before God and give Jesus their lives, they will be forgiven of their sins and rescued from eternal punishment and also rescued to a new life and a solid rock. The text continues in verses 6 through 8. In sacrifice and offerings you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. O my God, your law is written within my heart. The first thing that we see here is a principle we see throughout Scripture, and it's interesting. It says, in sacrifice and burnt offerings, you have not delighted. David said in Psalm chapter 51 two weeks ago that that in the sacrifices of bull and goats, you will not be delighted in. And God is the one who set up the sacrificial system. So what's he getting at here? It's the idea of the heart. It's the idea of offering sacrifices without being fully submitted to God. In fact, in Isaiah, God actually says that the the sacrifices of his people, because they're not loving others and they're not committed to him and they don't have the heart of God, actually detest him. It's really interesting. The way I thought about it, because I have, I have three kids who are, uh, who are four and under, and I have a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old, and I, I thought about it like uh, if they're a little bit older, and, and I went to them and I said, hey, your room is a pigsty. You need to go in there, and you need to clean it up. They say to me, okay, Dad, I'll, I'll go clean my room. So they go upstairs, and, and they're gone for about 20 minutes, and they come down later, and they hand me $100. Well, what's this for? Thank you. Well, I know that this $100 is the money that they've been saving from, uh, from work or from their birthday or, or, or from Christmas, and they just want to give it to me. They say, Dad, I want to give you this $100 because I love you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. Did you clean your room? Well, no. So in that moment, I'm realizing that they are not in, apply, in accordance with what, with what I've asked them to do. In fact, they're in defiance of what I've asked them to do, and they're not showing love for me, even though they gave me 100 bucks. That was really, really kind and nice of them. You see, if we're living a life where we're saying, God, I will give you my tithe, but I'm not going to obey you in my life. Uh, God, I'll go to church on Sunday morning, but I'm not going to not sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend. God, I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll read my Bible each day, but God, don't ever expect me to actually put it into practice in my life. See, obedience is greater than sacrifice. And the reality is, is that we as people of Christ have to delight in obeying God's word. That does not make sense. Delight in obeying. I've never delighted in obeying. At the very core of who we are, we do not delight. We don't like being told what to do. 
Who likes being told what to do? See? No one does. Raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no one likes being told what to do. It's at the very core of who we are. We don't like to be told because we want to be our own gods and we want to make our own decisions and we want to follow after the things that we want to follow after. Yet God comes on the scene. He says, actually, the one in charge is me, not you. Actually, the one who's, who's created the universe, uh, I made you for myself. And, and guess what? It's not about you. Oh man, what? The world's not about me. But I thought I was a snowflake. I thought I was special and unique. You are 100%. But it's not about you. It's not about us. It's about him. And the sooner we can realize that, we will grow so much more deeply in our faith. The sooner we can realize that our lives are actually to be beacons for the glory and the praise of God and to worship him. And really, this vessel, it, it, the, uh, the word of God talks about it, this vessel being a, a jar of clay. It's, it, it's expendable. It goes away. Yet we have it that we can glorify God with this vessel that we have. A vessel that uses every breath that we have to glorify his name. The text continues, verses 9 through 11. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips. As you know, O Lord, I have not hidden your deliverance with my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. He is proclaiming the testimony of the faithfulness, the love, the deliverance of God. Sometimes I think that Christians miss proclaiming Christ. Sometimes I think that we don't realize that what we have is so real that it can actually transform people's eternities. Are we bold, loving, testifying followers of Jesus, the ruler, creator of the universe, or are we sitting at our desk hoping someone won't find out we're a Christian because then we might have to testify to our faith? I'm just saying, we have to be bold especially in the times that we're living in. We have to proclaim his name. We have to proclaim his glory. And we have to make him a priority in our lives. And look at where he does this. He does this in his life, but he does this in the great congregation. This is it. We gather together to declare God's deliverance. Why should I come to church? You should come to church because you were created to worship God. You are doing what you were created to do when you gather together with his people and worship him and proclaim his name and you talk about what he's doing in your life. 
When you ask your brother or sister for prayer, they pray over you and then God delivers you. Or he may not deliver you, like I said, from the situation, but he may deliver your mind and may give you a new perspective and you can testify to say, brother or sister, the Lord God answered your prayer. And then this person hears and they say, hey, uh, God is listening to me. I'm going to pray again. And we testify and we continue to grow and we become a stronger body, a stronger church, and we live out the giftings that we have. But the reality is, if you don't come, then you can't testify. If you don't come, then you can't testify. It's got to get real with you for just a minute. I think sometimes we far too easily put church on the back burner. Put the gathering of the saints on the back burner. We far too easily let whatever it is, sports, weekend vacation trips, or maybe we just wanted to sleep in that morning. And we say to ourselves, it's only been two weeks since I came to church. I'll be fine. I'll listen to the podcast. I'm telling you, we need each other. We need the body of Christ. Like the, the times we're living in right now are hard. The times we're living in right now are not easy. And we need each other now more than ever. We need to gather together. We need to testify to what God's doing in our lives. That, I miss that so much. Well, when, you, when you were in your home for three months, and yeah, you, you may have been on Zoom and you may have gotten with your life groups and you got a little bit of that, but, but some of us just kind of disconnected or maybe are still disconnected. And the reality is we have to come together to worship and praise God. What, if people looked at our schedules what would they say our priority is? Do they look through our books and go, well, that Sunday I'm on vacation and that Sunday I have a tournament and that Sunday, oh man, I'm gonna miss five straight weeks. Would they see the gathering of the saints as a priority in our lives? Or do they see Sundays boxed out where it says, no, 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 this is holy ground. I will not give it up for anything. This is the day I get to go with God's people. And I get to praise him. And I get to hear the voices of other believers in Jesus singing praise to him. Amen. There is no greater noise than to hear brothers and sisters in Christ Sing the praise of our God together. So if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, listen to the testimony of those who are here and the history of the lives that God has changed. And know that you can have a new life, that God can rescue you from the miry bog of a purposeless, worthless living. The rat race of life and he can save you to a new, vibrant life. Live for Christ. If we're Christians, is God our number one priority? 
Is the glory of God our number one priority? Are we allowing small things to keep us from the gathering of the saints? Are we allowing small things to keep our kids from being under the word of God? Are we allowing small things to take us away from testifying and bringing God's name great glory? Because if we are, when we listen to the word each week, we ask two questions. One, what does this tell me about God? And two, how does my life change and what do I do differently because of what I just heard? So let's ask ourselves those questions because the reality is we serve a God who is alive. We serve a living and holy God. And because of that, we have a hope that is unimaginable and we can proclaim that and bring God great glory. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.